One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Things in this game can get very unnecessarily advanced、um, very quickly, but if you spend less than you earn, you、yeah. make regular contributions into a broad based ETF. You do that when markets are good, when they're bad, and you do that. You don't just—it's not a six-month fling. You、yeah. do that as a financial habit for、mm-hmm. for ten, twenty, thirty years. The compounding effects are just insane. That's Andrew Page, overlord of the Strawman Investing Club, and this is Shares for Beginners. We recorded a Facebook Live on September the first. Andrew is a great speaker with many clear insights into researching, buying, and selling shares on the ASX. He offered so many fantastic insights that I thought it'd be mad not to let everyone hear. So here he is, Andrew Page, talking about the Strawman Investing Club. I'm a, a passionate private investor, first and foremost.、Uh, have been for years.、Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit over seven years ago, we we sold our house and we put all of our money into the market. <laughs>、um, That's I, really going all in, isn't it? It, it really is. I mean, it, it always gets a reaction when I say that because、mm-hmm. it sounds as though you're doing something extraordinarily risky. Yeah.、Um, but we've really tried to approach it a very sensible, level-headed kind of way,、um, and it's it's the main vehicle for our, our wealth creation. Touch wood, it's done it's done very well for us.、Um, Uh, so far, but a couple of years ago we launched、uh, Strawman dot com. Originally, as a very rough, very rough、uh, beta version, and、uh, it's been going really well. We've we've passed eleven thousand users recently.、Um, very active user group.、Um, basically, a, a forum where people can interact as they would in an investment club.、Um, we allow people to sort of share ideas, insights, recommendations. Paper trade a hundred thousand dollar paper money portfolio to gain some experience and, and share some wisdom. And as I said, it's just, it's just an investment club. You know, we try and make just it an investment club. Look, <laughs> you, you can use a lot. Of, there's a lot of language that we can use. You know, platforms and social media, startups, you know, all、yeah. of that stuff. It's just the, the whole starting point. Well, I used to work for a high net worth investment club, and it was just、yeah. such a wonderful experience. You get a lot of Engaged people together,、mm-hmm. various backgrounds, various experiences, but we would we would talk shares. Everyone was able to sort of bring their own、uh, view to the table. We'd all vote on it, and then everyone would leave, and it was all care, no responsibility. You do what you think is right. Yeah. So it wasn't about sort of I'm going to join this group who's going to tell me what to do. It's I'm going to engage with others to improve my thinking, test my ideas, and that was a really valuable experience. So I wanted to sort of take that online. Um, and and do it in a way where you can sort of have those collaborations without it getting very messy and cluttered and jumbled、mm-hmm. and full of noise, which tends to be the problem that that most forums some、have. forums because there's lots and lots of forums that you can go to, but they're just they're not very user friendly, and you kind of got to. Um, have a persona, and you've got to be angry a lot. A lot of anger, a lot of ego, a lot of rocket emojis, and this、yeah. one's going to the moon. There's, there's just no substance behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of people with with、um, interests who may not be aligned、um, mm-hmm. uh, with with yours. So it's just a matter of saying that there is wonderful wonderful community out there of, of private investors, but we wanted to be able to allow them to share their ideas in a way、yeah. that got rid of the noise. And gave accountability. So if you jump on Strawman and you're looking at someone 
you can see what they've said, but you can also see how they've performed. Is this someone mm-hmm. who is worth listening to? Is this someone who's got a track record? Yeah. You know, or is this someone who's just on here with an agenda? And 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 that's what it's trying to accomplish. And, so and, it's, and it's also about showing how uh, shares are researched, the kind of things that you do need to know about buying a share and what uh, decisions you should be making beforehand and, and what you should know about the, the and, and we're, we're a broad church too. There's no one particular way of going about it. I really think that the value, I say to members a lot that you should put your thoughts out there, um, n- not so much for other people, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. When you've decided to buy Nanasonics, for example, yeah. a lot of us will make that based on a lot of subjective thinking. We have a bit of a feeling for it. If we do a lot of reading on it, you know, the very act of writing down your investment thesis, mm-hmm. your investment expectations you know roughly what are sales and earnings going to grow at what do i understand about the business what are the risks the very act of writing it down will clarify and crystallize your thinking like nothing else Mm. and especially when you're doing that in a public forum where other people are going to see that and vote on that potentially it it forces a discipline that you might not otherwise have Mm. and then when the future unfolds in random and unpredictable ways as it always does you've got a touchstone to, to refer back to I bought shares in, in company XYZ three months ago based on, on these assumptions. Mm-hmm. What's changed to, to alter that? Maybe things are going better than I thought or worse than I thought. Or maybe really, yeah. in most cases, nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. But it, it helps you distract you from the, the noise of the market, the up and downs of share prices. And like, this is my reason for buying. This is the value that I think is there. And it'll make you a much more disciplined and honest investor, frankly. Andrew, I bought NAN. What's it? Nanosonics? Nanosonics. Yeah, on your advice two years ago. Thanks. Do you think it's reasonably priced now? Um, Josh, that's a 2% management fee on, on that. So um, I'll give you my bank details where you can send that through. <laughs> it doesn't apply when the, when the recommendations don't go well. Yeah, I still hold a few Nanosonics. Um, look, the best thing to do, I think, right at the beginning is I, I prefer not to get too much into what I think you should you should do here. Yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, Strawman's very much set up for that. You can go to Strawman, look up the username Strawman. I should have probably gone with a different yeah, yeah. username. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look up Strawman, you'll see all the stocks I'm holding, all the ones I'm recommending. And if you want to know what I think of a stock, if it's if it's there, that will yeah. that's probably the best place to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nanasonics is a uh, a really wonderful business, um, mm. and I, I think their best days are to come. The trouble with Nanasonics, as with so many stocks in this market at the moment, is that you've got these really nice businesses, really strong growth prospects, but the market knows it and the market knows it and then some. Yeah. And, and, and the, the difficulty I think we have um, uh, for a lot of these companies is that you, you can actually find yourself in a situation where the company actually delivers really good, good returns, good growth, mm-hmm. but you can still be very poorly as an investor. Nothing is worth an infinite amount, you know, um, you you have to watch what you pay. And I, I feel as though a lot of these stocks are sort of up against mm. what is what is reasonable. That being said, a lot of the, the value that's being argued for is very much based on what these companies look like in five and ten years' time. Yeah. And, and the nature of these businesses and in the way that they scale and the operating leverage and, and everything that they have is that you can actually get some really spectacular growth o- over that period. I just think that if that is the, the basis for your investment thesis... And you're saying, I'm buying Nanasonics, Afterpay, Zero, 
Pointera, whatever it is, because in 10 years' time, they're going to be a $100 million revenue kind of company. Mm. Well, you kind of got to sit through that five to 10-year period. Too many people sort of start with that as a rationale and justification for buying and then freak out the moment it drops 30% or get impatient or maybe they think they're clever and then will lock in a, a 10 or 20% gain after a few months. But but I think in those kinds of timeframes, you're at the will and the mercy of, of whatever mis- crazy thing Mr. Market is going to do. Mm-hmm. So if you are a long-term believer in the opportunity these companies are presenting, you kind of have to be with it mm. for the duration to have those, to have those returns realized. Okay, so um, we're going to go through your checklist. Actually, before we do the checklist, I just wanted to give a shout out to Rory Watling, who's joined uh, this group. G'day, Rory, if you're uh, watching. Now, he wrote when he joined up and said, I'm considering investing now at 19 for the long term. So I'd like to hear all about different ETFs, index funds and stocks that will prosper over time. So, Rory, all we can say is starting at 19 (laughs) is fantastic. Massive advantage. Yeah, you've got so much time on you. That's your secret source your secret weapon his time in the market i heard a stat the other day it's one that often gets quoted buffett made something like 90 percent of his wealth after 55 yeah yeah um and the the reason why he's someone that everyone knows is yeah he's had good returns over a long period of time but it's because he started so early Mm. and uh you know the things in this game can get very unnecessarily advanced um very quickly but if you spend less than you earn you yes. make regular contributions into a broad-based ETF. You do that when markets are good, when they're bad. And you do that, you don't just, it's not a six-month fling. You yeah. do that as a financial habit for, mm-hmm. for 10, 20, 30 years. The compounding effects are just insane. But the reason why so few people do it is so few people have the emotional temperament and have the patience. Yeah. In fact, if, if you've got those two things, you've got a, such a substantial advantage on everyone in the market, even the professionals, mm-hmm. which are often running under an institutional imperative that doesn't give them the luxury of time and patience a lot of the time too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, starting at 19, phenomenal. I wish I did. Just do it 20 bucks a week. <laughs> it's huge. It just, makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah. And then as you get older and you get better paying jobs and all the rest of it, that 20 bucks a week can become 50 bucks a week mm-hmm. or whatever it happens to be. And yeah. it, it is magic. Now we're going to talk about buying individual shares and we've got um, the five-point five checklist, I think. It's a very broad checklist. Yeah, yeah it's a very yeah. broad checklist, but I think it's worthwhile going into. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, And it sounds like a silly question. Do you understand the business? (laughs) (laughs) If you don't, and there's no shame if you don't, I'll put my hand up. There's a great many number of companies I come across on the ASX, which just I don't get. Mm. I could say, yes, they're a retailer or yes, they're technology. I I can give you the industry classification. Mm. What's the business model? What are the drivers? What are the industry dynamics here? What are the competitors like? Who are the customers? Mm -hmm. What are the needs of these customers? Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, what's the funding available here? What what, what is the sales onboarding process? There's a million questions that you you need to ask. Uh, And unfortunately, very few people do. Um, But but having a good understanding of a business not only sets you up to make better decisions, but it enables you to react to news much better as well. Mm. When When you very much understand a business... And even the best businesses will have a, a rough quarter, a rough half, and they come out and they say this. You'll be able to contextualize that very quickly um, and, and not make silly yeah. short-term decisions on, mm. on that. But, but none of this comes... The, the market is there 
to serve. It is not there to inform. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're going to let the market tell you a stock is good because it's gone up or it's gone bad because it's gone down, which will do all kinds of crazy things in, 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 in the, the short term, you're never really going to have an understanding of yeah. is this good value or is it not? You have to know the business. The next question, I guess, that comes from that is, well, how do you, you do that? There's no one sort of checklist here, but the, the real reality of it is it just involves a lot of reading. Um, and a, a, a lot of my friends and family find that really boring, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for It is for a lot of people. Great, invest in an ETF and don't bore yourself with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But but I, but I think you have to have an enjoyment in it and an intellectual curiosity. And I, I love the process. And I, I think it, for those that enjoy it, will inevitably do better at it because it's not work. Mm-hmm. It, it's fun. It's, it's intellectually stimulating. But you'll read the, the presentation decks. You'll read the annual reports. It doesn't have to be cover to cover. But you know, I, I would want to. I, I like to imagine that that I am the outright owner of the business. And, you know, every now and again, management come forward and give me a briefing on how my business is performing. Mm-hmm. What are the things I want to know? What are the things, um, what, what, what are the prospects and expectations? Have they changed recently? All of that kind of stuff is just um, super important. And you, you just have to read a lot of material. But it's all out there and it's mm-hmm. all for free. Yeah, you know, the ASX.com give you all ASX announcements, companies own websites. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, it and, and the other thing with that too is that knowledge compounds. If you've spent a lot of time doing a bit of work on on a particular uh, sector and a particular company, there's a lot of lessons and insights there that will translate to other companies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next time you go to look at a medical device maker or next time you go to look at a banking stock or something, all that work you did previously is still there. Mm-hmm. And it's like exercising. You just get better and better and better and better at it. So it's even, and this happens a lot too, you'll do a lot of reading on stuff, something only to realize that you don't like it. And it feels <laughs> like wasted effort. Yeah. But it's not. That That's is, good. It's a process of elimination, it's really, a pr- isn't it? It, it, yeah. it is. And then you, you build up this this diary, really, these 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 notes that just just um, are a wonderful resource Again, allowing you to to get better and faster at it each, each iteration. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. What do you advise for a 40-year-old? Still better to invest in ETF. I don't understand stocks market much. Just started investing in ETFs, FANG and VAS. And we should say here that we can't give individual advice. We don't know what your situation is. I guess one of the questions that um, Hari needs to ask himself before making any more decisions. The the trouble about um, giving advice is as well is that you can give someone an idea Mm-hmm. You can't give someone your conviction, mm-hmm. and and for those that really realise the better long term gains are those that are able to sort of hold through very difficult periods, yeah. and um, and you will only get that conviction if you sort of take ownership of, of those decisions. So it sounds like we're just trying to avoid the question, but it's actually you can't avoid it. It's it's it, it's really fundamental to the whole process. But to answer generally, forty years 
you've got decades left. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about ETFs, you don't have to understand anything. As I said before, spend less than what you earn, regulate, make contributions into some broad-based, low-cost ETFs, VAS and, and, F, and FANG. There's mentioned some great ones. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing that. Yeah. You know? um, because it's kind of like the base level, isn't it? The base level is an index tracking ETF. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And really the trick is to find... The lowest cost one, isn't it? Lowest cost, broadest diversity, I, I think. You know, yeah. you can, there's, a, there's a lot of very hyper-specific ETFs for people who want to take a specific oh, so, position yeah. on mm-hmm. gold or they want to go short the NASDAQ or something like that. They're mm-hmm. more esoteric trading yeah. products. And you shouldn't be doing that as a beginner uh, anyway. I, I would argue not. I, yeah. A lot of professionals probably shouldn't be doing it either. But 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 for the, the viewer's uh, question, that, that is all you need to do. Yeah. Two or three broad-based different ones and, and you'll be fine. This isn't about sort of looking back in 20 years' time and saying, I got the best possible return that anyone on the planet could have got. It's sort of, it's sort of basically saying, can I do much better than I could in, relative, in, in, in other asset classes? Mm. Investing mm. is all about opportunity cost. Yeah. And if you can look back in, in 20 years' time and, you know, even if you've averaged 7 8% compound, Pete, it's wonderful. Mm. Job done. And you can spend your, your spare time doing the things that you love. <laughs> that's you right. don't have to be reading annual reports if that's not your yeah. your. Bad. I mean, you only want to read annual reports if you really want to. Yeah, if you yeah. if you want to geek out like you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Now we got Francis Fogliani. 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 That's a, another, another straw thing. man. Remember? Yeah. Yep. Hey, Andrew, Francis Fogliani from Strawman here. I'm a newer member, and although doing research before buying, I feel more like I'm stumbling into luck than picking winners. Do you have any advice for beginners that have success early? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 is, it is the hardest thing to, to really own as an investor that you can buy a really bad share Mm. For really bad reasons, mm-hmm. and do really well. Yeah, and you can buy um, a really good share for really good reasons, and do mm-hmm. really ba- in really, do really badly in the short term. So we get all these false signals, you know. And 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 I think it's Francis makes an excellent point to sort of acknowledge that maybe there has been some luck in that. And I think anyone who's really entered into the market in the last six months has to understand that mm. there's been. Uh, a Johnny on the spot phenomena. And I put my hand up for that as well. It's been a great, <laughs> really great six months, but, but I, I never anticipated what was going to happen over that, that kind of time period. So I would just basically say, again, go back to basics, stay grounded, write out why you bought the shares, what your expectations were and, and contrast what's happened with what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, recognizing that this, you know, 30% gains in six months or whatever it happens to be is not normal um, is a very important thing as well. So uh, as someone who's had a lot of uh, luck, um, and, and I would probably say to Francis, I'll well, give yourself some credit. Like there's, mm. uh, it, it's not all luck. Um, uh, it's the company you keep. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is, you know. And, and I, I, I would basically just say that the good the. Another really important trick with investing, Phil, is to to decouple yourself from the past. The mm-hmm. share market doesn't know what you paid for your shares. It doesn't care and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You know, you've got to imagine that you spring into existence every day and this is just the shares I'm holding in the proportions that I'm holding. And and what you really need to do is sort of say, is this sensible positioning going forward? Mm-hmm. So some people will be sitting there who happen to buy after pay at eight bucks not that long ago and may have grown to 40% of their portfolio. And you, you, and you would say, that's great and well done. But if you started investing today, would you build a portfolio that looked like that? 
that is with Afterpay at 40% weighting at current valuation. I'm sorry to pick on that particular company. I'm not, I'm not trying to make too much of a specific point on that, but more, more generally speaking. So, so I think it's, it's just a matter of re-evaluating things regularly, mm. um, but not fiddling too much as well, because that can be equally as, as dangerous, yeah. you know. I think also one thing to watch out for is trying to predict the future because no one can predict yeah. the future. I mean, over the last few weeks, I've had one funder get on the phone to me and say, I want to talk to all your listeners. This is going to be the greatest depression ever that we're going into. You Maybe know? he's right. Maybe he's right. And then I talked to an economist and he's saying, well, you know, after World War I and the Spanish flu, we had the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> so. And you know what? They both make compelling arguments. They do. And this is the thing. When you're on the share market, if you go looking for a positive uh, analysis of a particular company, mm-hmm. you'll find it. And if you want a, a poor analysis, y- you will find that uh, as well. Um, so, again, this comes back to this idea of really taking ownership of your yes. decisions and, 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 yeah. building, um, and building that conviction. Uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, with investing, you... you can't avoid making predictions. Mm, you mm. have to make a prediction, but you can still be smart about the things that you make predictions on. So I can say, I think, let's go with the, the first example, Nanosonics. I mm-hmm. think in five years' time, it will be a bigger company that will mm-hmm. be more profitable. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to give any, any numbers. And that the market will probably uh, attribute a reasonable multiple to that to that business given how I expect it to perform. Yeah. And, and if I can be general with those sort of assumptions and apply a very large margin of safety, um, it's probably a far more useful process than saying it's the 1st of September, 2020. And on December 13, I think the share price target will be this. You, both are forecasts, both are predictions. One is predicting something which is inherently impossible mm. to predict, mm. where the other is something that you, a reasonable person can have a reasonable view on. Yeah. Now, the good thing about the way that I'm talking about it is Point Terra, I'd love to get to, is a great example of, of, yeah. of that. It, 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 it's Well, why don't we talk about Point Terra? Sure. Because you've, yeah. you've come prepared to talk about Point Terra. Well, what a great, <laughs> and I have to say, there'll be a lot of people on Strawman watching. There's, uh, it was a 30-something percent gain today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing was um, um, picked up by our community about a year ago. Uh, sort of like did, you find, did you find it or did someone else come up with it? I'm going to take credit for this Yes, one. I think that was the first one. It's all yours. <laughs> but I think it, it's, it's going to sound like a big wind-up to do a victory lap, and, it, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not. I just think that there's, there's, some, really, there's some really good lessons in, in, in how all of that um, yeah. uh, has kind of worked. And, and, and just to finish that, that previous point, I, think when, I know when I was buying it last year and other people were as well, it's no one had a forecast on what the share price was going to do or that Bevan Slattery was going to buy shares and that was going to spark a re-rate and none of that. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and you read those comments from people back then, people did have a view on where the annualised contract value would be, what the market opportunity was. And they had some, they had some general notions of that. And then they applied very conservative multiples and discounted back and applied margins of safety. So you, you, can, you can be generally right mm. and still do well, but you can be specifically wrong and do very badly. <laughs> and so when it comes to making forecasts and predictions, they are unavoidable, but you can choose the things that you're trying to predict and you can be very loose in the kinds of things that you're trying to predict for. I'm not going to give you 12 decimal places to the earnings per share of Cochlear in three years. I, I don't know. Mm. Um, 
but I've probably got a reasonable sense of how earnings are going to grow over that period. Yeah. And as long as my valuation and my investment thesis isn't based on some hyper, hyper specific kind of number, you know, if, if earnings are up 30%, pick Cochlear again as a random example in, in five years' time, or they're up 25% or mm-hmm. up 35 that's all of a general flavor that is probably going to do you well as an investor. Now, if earnings are down, 30% in five years' time mm. or flat over that. That's a very different, uh, qualitatively different story. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you, you need a general direction. You need a compass. You need a general um, target for what success looks like for a business. Mm-hmm. But don't take yourself too seriously yeah. because you can't predict the future. Mm-hmm. And the more hyper-specific you get, you, you see it on TV and stuff sometimes. Someone will say, I love this company. 23 cents if it gets to 21 cents i'd buy but not now it's it's i know yeah there's no reasoning behind it that's like if it's a good business at 21 cents i mean yes there is a line you will cross at some point Mm -hmm. or a zone that you will transition but but none of us are that good Mm -hmm. and 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 you know to talk about buffett again he he does some very broad numbers in his head because he's not trying to be hyper hyper specific he's just trying to get the general theme the general direction right yeah and that's what you need to focus on Mm. Actually, we've got a couple more ch- questions here. Uh, nice call. Oh, Trudy. Trudy loves <laughs> Nanasonics. Worried about TWE, but could be a bit under $9. TWE, what's TWE? Uh, uh, Treasury Wine Estates. Oh, okay. Right, right. Yeah. So these guys had um, very big potential in China. Mm-hmm. Um, big market, a demand for Australian clean and green, high-quality There products. could be headwinds at the moment. There's political the trade, issues and yeah, all of trade, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not close enough to it, but, yeah, it's, it looks... Yeah. It, it's a real... What it is, and this someone's mentioned the checklist again, so maybe yeah, I'll yeah, segue yeah. back to yeah, that, yeah, yeah. is that one of the other points there is is focus on the risks and focus on the downsides. Mm-hmm. And and I think as investors, we, we get an attraction towards a stock for... Sometimes really good reasons, mm-hmm. um, and then we we naturally as humans we just we suffer all of us from confirmation bias. We like to hear things that resonate with our preconceived. No, oh, it's the worst thing, isn't it? Just it's only awful. looking at stories that uh, confirm your view. Yeah, discounting everything. That everything else. Against. Yeah, which is what a great thing about straw man is because you're going to have the peer review of a community that's going to look at your ideas and say, "Well, have you looked at this situation?" Well, we called it straw man because we want. <laughs> we want the idea is to be challenged. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not about it's not about ego. It's about being right. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, I missed your point. I, well, I'm the the, the point the point the point is really is is just to and Treasury Wine Estate sort of reminded me of this is that the 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 investment thesis would have been very well established company, good established brands, long record of profitability and dividends and all of this kind of stuff. But the real growth avenue was China, mm-hmm. and if that can if that can proceed as people are expecting, you'll do you'll do very well. Yeah. But we a lot of people got so carried up in that they they forgot that well actually maybe China won't be a success. Mm-hmm. And historically, Australian country uh, companies going offshore don't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, not because Aussies are bad at business, but it's just very hard. Different markets, different dynamics, different systems. Really, really, really tricky. And so there's a, you know, every day there's a company going into China saying, oh, if only 1% of China buys our product, we'll make squillions. <laughs> but most don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not you, – you need to you need to ask that what if. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't, uh, what does that mean for the share price? And, and you're trying to find – you're trying to find some – I, I certainly am anyway – asymmetry 
in your return outlook. So you want something which if it goes right, it'll go really nicely for mm-hmm. you. But if it doesn't, the downside is is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, Monash Pabrai, a, a um, famous Indian investor, calls it heads I win, tails I don't lose too much. <laughs> you want to be making those That's kinds right, of it? bets. Yeah. Yeah. And just to pick on poor old Afterpay for a moment, and yes, I don't own shares, which is why I'm bitter mm-hmm. and jaded for missing I out. know, I sold a 20-something. <laughs> you know, it's, who'd, have, who'd have thunk it? But, yeah. but the problem is, is that this this... What I would be asking now is is that yes, I get the bull case. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, this is a structural shift in, in in payment systems globally. It is a massive market. They're capturing huge amounts of market share, yeah. and the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, but ask yourself, well, what if that doesn't occur, or at least not to the rate that we expect? Or what does that look like? Or what, as Trudy said, do you think PayPal instalment plan will have a long term effect on BNPL? I mean. These are so many things can just suddenly happen, like, you know, a trade situation with China, politics with China can change the situation. Yep. Another player can come in and just... BNPL is not a very difficult thing to do, is it? Not when you're the leading payments player globally. I mean, yeah. PayPal, right? Mm. Um, so, again, you just... It, it, you hear this phrase on the market a lot, priced for perfection, mm-hmm. which means that it's no good just giving a, a favourable outlook on the business. The market's assuming that. Yeah, the yeah. market has priced that in. Mm. To do well, it, it, you know, to do really well, you not only have to see the market perform to these lofty expectations, but to exceed them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's, say, let's say things do go really, really well, maybe even a little bit better, well, then you've got X upside. Yeah. But if it doesn't, you, you've got this asymmetry on the other direction, mm-hmm. whereas there's far more downside than upside. And it... it you're dealing in a world of probabilities here. Yeah. And, and as I said before, you can get these situations where, you know, um, there was only a 10% chance of this company making it and 90% that it, that it failed. But you know what? The 10% scenario played out. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, you deal with these things that will seem super obvious. But I think now when you're looking out, what's the upside? What's the downside? Which way do the odds sort of swing for me? But consider that downside. Factor in those risks and take them seriously. If you can't argue the bear case... Better than the bears, mm. you shouldn't be owning the stock. Yeah. You don't need to agree with it, but you need to, if, if, if someone was to say to you, what can go wrong, um, you need to be able to articulate that. And you need to be able to articulate it for yourself too because there will come a time when the shares aren't performing so well and you'll think of all kinds of reasons to preserve your ego and rationalise and you can average yourself all the way down to zero. But if you've said in advance, this is what failure looks like mm-hmm. and objectively measure that and objectively compare that to your prior expectations, you can make much more objective and sensible decisions. Okay, well, let's go through the rest of the checklist quickly. We've been through, um, do you understand the business? Now it's, what are the risks? So we've really covered... We've got kind of the risks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's just really um, working out um, what... Having a clear idea, I think, isn't it, what those risks are? Yeah. And, uh, and arguing the contrary case to the business and limiting the da- that downside. And then saying, what are the consequences of this risk? And, and, and what's what kind of useful here is, is, um, is just playing out various... And I was talking about valuation before, yeah. which is another point on the checklist, is you, people feel as though you have to come up with a value and that's the value for you. But it's, it's really useful just to d- derive a number of... Mm. Figures. 
here's my hyper bullish forecast. Here's my pessimistic one. And yeah. just the exercise will give you a sort of a scatter of, of different outcomes, which will help you balance, balance things out. Now, um, okay. So is the balance sheet in good shape? This is another thing. And yeah. another way that might be worthwhile looking at in this, this question is how much debt does a company have? Is that the basis of what this is? Look, I, I think you could simplify it down to that. You yeah. know, um, businesses that have very leveraged balance sheets. Can, That's a lot of debt. <laughs> this means a lot of debt. Think about it like you or I would think yeah. about it. If you or I borrow 95% to buy an investment property, mm-hmm. uh, it's a million dollar investment property, we put in 50 grand and that goes to $1.2 million. Mm. You know, um, we've made 200 grand profit on a 50k investment yeah Mm -hmm. it's great well same thing works for companies they've got so much equity in the business they've got so much capital they can deploy if they've got a wonderful machine for generating returns on that capital they can borrow a heap and they can do really well but if they don't um they get to a situation where they've got this huge interest bill, they can't pay back the loan, things mm-hmm. get more difficult. This is where businesses get into real trouble. So debt isn't a four-letter word. Debt is perfectly justifiable. A lot of great businesses have debt. Yeah. But you want to have a view as to how significant that debt is, how is that balanced off against the cash flows of the business, how is it balanced off against other cash and hard assets in the business. I mean, debt is really the one of the few ways that a business can get into serious trouble. Um, the great thing about businesses with strong balance sheets as well is that when times get tough, like the COVID crisis, for example, um, a lot of businesses sailed into Nanasonics comes up again, you know, mm-hmm. fortress balance sheet, I have $90 million in cash or something. Got, yeah. They don't need to raise. They're not dependent on the good nature of bankers to sort of see them through this crisis. Mm-hmm. They actually find that you, companies of really strong balance sheets find that when the cycles do turn and all their competitors get really hard done by, they're, they're in a position of strength. Mm. Like you, you can't believe. So it just, it just removes a massive risk. And, and even if companies manage to avoid bankruptcy and that kind of stuff, you, and we've seen this a lot recently, with companies having to do extremely significant um, at extremely discounted capital raises to stay afloat. So there's a dilution risk there. Mm-hmm. So, so look at that balance sheet. And, and again, um, there's so many great resources online for accounting 101 kind of stuff here. You don't need to be a chartered accountant mm-hmm. to do this stuff, kind of stuff. What's the cash? What's the debt? What are the liabilities of the business? Go back a few years, have a bit of a, a look at it. And if, if it is too highly leveraged, doesn't mean that it's going to go bad, but it is a risk you need to be aware of. Mm. Um, so yeah, balance sheet is well worth looking at. Now the other, I think I just missed this one before is, uh, do you trust management? Yes. <laughs> yeah. How can you, you, how can you know? You if can't, you, you can't know because unless you know them personally, it's, yeah. it's it, it is difficult, but, but there are some wonderful signs. Mm. Money talks and BS walks. So when you've got management and insiders buying shares in a company yeah. and have substantial interests in the company, and have bought those shares with their own money, not mm-hmm. been gifted them as free as part of a remunerational short-term incentive package or something that's like a, that. That's a very clear sign. It's a very good sign, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. mean the business will go well. Where do I you mean, find that information? Oh, it's, it, it, it's, in, it's in all of the published um, reports. So you'll see it's change the, in the substantial last, It's notices. the last page. It's almost the last page in an uh, annual general it, They'll show you the top 20 shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you just look at the director's report, you'll see the... the uh, often the, the shareholdings that they've had. Anyone who's a substantial holder of more than 5%, that has to be published. Any director interests has to be published. Mm-hmm. 
you, you'll find it just by looking at the announcements. Mm. So I, I think that's a really wonderful sign. The flip side of that, though, is a little bit more complicated. It's wrong to assume that if a director sells, that that's automatically bad. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's a pattern of selling and a lot of directors are selling, that's, that's one thing. If someone who has got 99% of their family wealth tied into one company mm. who's probably worked for 20 years behind the scenes to grow this, you know, as yeah, a founder, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then one day decides to finally take some money off the table. It, mm. it, it, there's, people see conspiracy theories everywhere with this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and, and while there are definitely some, some bad actors out there, in my experience, I'm reminded of the saying, which is that um, insiders sell for many reasons, but they buy only for one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worth remembering. So definitely keep an eye on director and insider transactions. Um, we don't like to see them selling, but it's not an automatically bad sign. But but buying is a very strong sign. I think mm. that's one way of, of, of trust because you, your interests are just aligned. Mm. Um, the other way is, is, again, just reading, as I was saying before. Yeah. You know, so often people will look at the last announcements or the last presentation deck. Go back five years. What were those guys saying five years ago? I mean, how realistic has that been? Every business, even really well-run ones, will just have bad periods. Do, do management take ownership of those mistakes or is it everyone else's fault? You know, um, is there a lot of churn in the management team? Again, just reading all the correspondence that a company sends out, you, you'll get a really good feed, a feel for, mm. for, for the, whether you can trust management. And I, I generally like management that just very realistic, um, very long-term focused uh, making capital allocation decisions that aren't based on trying to beat the quarterly for, uh, consensus forecast. So they're making mm-hmm. capital allocation, to Jeff Bezos style, 20 years out into the future is the decisions mm-hmm. that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, Seek is, by the way, a really great example of that. I think management, they're very long-term thinkers and that's, that's, that's been proved out in the share price too. So a lot of things, but you, you want to make sure that as a minority shareholder, you, you just... Want to make sure you're not going to be able to influence yeah. it. You, you're kind of along for the ride. So you want to make sure that the, the ship is being steered by capable and honest and, and trustworthy people. Hi, Andrew. Another straw man member here. Love the platform. When you sell a winner, what do you factor in? A good reason to talk about Pointera. Um, again, for, for illustrative purposes only. Um, that's been, if you look at my straw man uh, profile, you will see that I sold some, I think, at 14 and then at 19 and 24. I mean, selling, all, in hindsight, horrible, horrible decision. I would have made a lot more money if I'd um, kept it through to today. But but the reason for that was was twofold. So to answer your question, what am I factoring in here? One, I'm trying to disengage myself from what price I paid, regardless of how attractive it may or may not have been. Would I buy today is always a good question to ask. Mm. And at that point in time, I was thinking, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. pay 20 cents for Pointera today based on, again, you'll see my reasoning on, on, on Strawman. Um, so hang on, if I can just clarify here. So once it gets to a point that you wouldn't buy it at, is the time to sell? Is that I, I think is it's that time to... to start thinking about it. Yeah. You know, people would say, oh, I wouldn't buy it now, but I'm happy to hold. Well, so well, the market doesn't know whether you bought yesterday or bought 10. You, you, yeah. you are holding what you are holding today, and that is your exposure going forward. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a heuristic but it's a good one. If you if you would if the answer is no, I would not buy this today. Then you need to have a good reason for why you're holding it today. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a tax consideration um, that's there. Maybe there are other factors. Um, you just need you just need to have a 
a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, again, the market doesn't know what you you bought it for. Mm-hmm. You know, and and let's say you bought Point Terror at three cents. Um, well, what do you do? What, what matters today is how much is that thing worth? And that, that could go back to 10 cents or it could go up into 50 cents. You, you need to, to sort of say, it's okay if it drops 50% for here for me because I only paid that much. That, that's, that is a loss that you have made. Yeah. A, a very real loss. Yeah. Um, again, that, real loss again that you have not locked in. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and that's not to suggest that you lock in profits along the way. I'm just, mm. I'm just trying to separate this idea about is, is having that view on value. Yeah. Again, not taking it too seriously, but if something jumps in a day, 30%, what you thought was a very optimistically uh, formulated valuation, yeah. mm. you have to sort of say, well, am I only holding on now because of fear of missing out on further gains or, or, mm. or what is it? I need to articulate that. Um, but against that thinking is is that um, the people are there are sometimes a ten bagger, hundred bagger. You know, the serious money is made, yeah. and that's only done by holding on to it. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, well, this is a ten bagger for me, and this was done over a year, eighteen month kind of kind mm. of period. Um, so, so it's not that I haven't made those 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 gains. It's just the decisions along the way have been yeah. formulated or, or around that to. to you could all, I could have flipped that around and sort of say, well, I could have done that with Slater and Gordon, mm-hmm. you know, never sold or the, mm. you, you, you can only work with the information you have. But the, the second point I was going to get there is, is there's this waiting consideration. Now, when you have these 10 bagger type experiences, which is great. Yeah. Um, you'll find, I found myself in this situation with Prometicus not too long ago, a couple of years ago, where it done really well for me, but then it becomes thirty percent of your portfolio. That's mm-hmm. a, so. There's there's weighting considerations. So to answer the question, I look at value, I look at weighting, and I also look at opportunity cost. If I'm taking that money out of the market, well, where am I going to put that? That's right. Yeah. Is Cash? there somewhere? Is there somewhere better to is put it? Is there another company that has better risk reward proposition? So all of that goes in into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so when you say the weighting, that's like um, your portfolio is like a pie. Yes. And each slice of the pie. Yep. is the, the weighting of it or the percentage of your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it you don't, and you don't want to be overweight in any... You don't. You don't want, you don't want a big slice of, the, of that pie to be just in one single holding. Not you? unless you have immense conviction. Mm. So that's not to say that, it, you know, if you've got 10 stocks, you should, they should each have 10% of your money. Mm. Um, it, it needs to be weighted according to your conviction and your sense of value. So the, more, mm. the less risks, the more confident, the better the upside, the more waiting you can have and i'm actually quite comfortable to have 10 15 even 20 percent at times yeah, of a stock yeah. in uh, this one stock in my portfolio but it has to be backed up by all of all of those those kinds of factors yeah, yeah. so um you mentioned before we before we started that this was a fizzy pop a spiffy a, pop a, a spiffy pop this yeah. is this is a technical trading term ladies and gentlemen <laughs> spiffy pop comes from david gardner who's one of the founders of the motley fool mm-hmm. and it's a it's a situation where the share price rises in one day by more than your cost base. So if you bought shares in Point Terror at four cents and they went up, what, 10, 11 cents today, you've got a double spiffy pop, more, almost mm-hmm. a threefold spiffy pop, um, <laughs> which is really nice. But these these things, I, I'm, Peter Lynch said really well, he, he said that all of his gains tend to come three years into his holding. Mm-hmm. And we found this, I've certainly found this with, with any of my big winners, whether it was Prometicus or Envirosuite or more recently with Point Terra. I held them for a long time. 
and they did nothing. In fact, down 30, 40% at, at times yeah. uh, on, on all of this kind of stuff. It's These spiffy pops aren't something you buy and then three months later you're crowing about a spiffy pop. These these mm. are and, and David himself who coined the term, I mean, it's sort of years later that you can start talking about it, but you need to sort of stay that, that course. Mm. It's nice okay. what happens. Thank you very much for joining us. We've had um, several people on. That's been That's been great. Good night, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this uh, discussion and uh, let us know if you want more of them because um, I'm really enjoying doing these. Me too, Phil, and thanks for organising it and thanks for having me on. It's been a great chat. If anyone wants to uh, catch up afterwards or you didn't get a chance to ask a question, jump on to choose your, your platform. I'm going to suggest Strawman, of course, but jump on there and ask some questions. Happy to, happy to do our best to answer them. Now, Twitter seems to be the place where so much of this stuff happens. A lot of, well. lot of good stuff yeah, on yeah. Twitter, yeah. Not that we've got anything against Facebook being on Facebook. We love Facebook. Facebook's good too. <laughs> Mark, we love Facebook. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. See you later. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Soulos for music production with that special Greekalicious flavour. Remember, music always flows, even when the money won't. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.